0: And giveth me songs in the night
1: Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed, redeemed His child
2: and forever I am And good evening. Welcome to White Oak Baptist Church. How many of you here enjoy trying to do your own home repairs? How many of you here that way? How many of you wives wish your husband would stop trying? <laughs> so uh, so I, uh, we bought a house back in June and we, uh, we, uh, we our kitchen faucet was, it's been on the fritz since we bought the house. And so recently I was given a faucet for free to replace it with and I got home yesterday from my visitation and I thought, boy this is a quick and easy project I can knock out and Seven FaceTime calls the brother owns later, <laughs> and a broken faucet and water running all over the kitchen. Um, the water to our faucet is now turned off, and I got to go to Home Depot in the morning and buy a new faucet. So, uh, but the water the rest of the house is on, so we're good. We're good to go. So, uh, anyway, if you struggle with it, take heart. Your pastor does too. Amen. And Brother Owen said to me, he said, you make preaching look easy, I make plumbing look easy. Okay. And so, praise the Lord for people that make plumbing look easy. Amen? And, uh, well, good stuff. Hope you're having a good week. Hope you've had a good day today. How many of you took a nap this afternoon? Excellent. If I take a nap, I'm worth nothing the rest of the day. So, I, I'm no good. I'm having a great day because the Patriots are losing right now. They just went up? Okay, can you preach tonight? No, um, I am pulling for the Jaguars very hard. Uh, and if they lose, then I'll pull for whoever wins the NFC game in the championship. So uh, it's all good. All right, let's shake each other's hands. Again, be careful with the flu, shake each other's hands. We'll come back to see that course in a moment. Let's sing that chorus. Here we go. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood
3: of the Lamb. Redeemed,
2: redeemed, His child and forever I am. All right, before we go to the Lord in prayer, just as a reminder: if you Patriots fan checks the score, that automatically means you're going to lose. So keep your phones in your pockets. Amen. All right. Excellent. Uh, Pastor Dave, if you would come open the service for us in prayer.
4: Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can have fun in God's house. We know that um, the psalm says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Pray, Lord God, that tonight we would enjoy being here, enjoy being in your presence, enjoying hearing your word, enjoying lifting you up in song. That everything we do tonight just be a joy as we get to be counted as a child of God. And we love you, Lord. Pray to God again. Your hand will be upon the spe- service specially. Praise things in your name. Amen. You may be Amen. seated. You know, people are always looking for loopholes. And Pastor said if the Patriots, if, you look at, if you're a Patriot fan and you look at the score, then they're going to lose. What if you're a Jaguar fan? What?
3: <laughs>
4: I wonder what happens then. But anyway, let's uh, turn in our hymnals again to hymn 118, The Way of the Cross. We'll sing the entire song. Hymn 118. I
1: must needs go home by the way of the cross, there's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light, if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Number two. I must needs go on in the blood sprinkled way. The path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life where the soul is at home with God. The way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home, is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Number three, then I bid farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come and I seek my home where He waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward know. The way of the cross
2: leads home. All right, ushers, you can make your way forward. will see a few people here that are visiting with us this evening, and just want to take a moment and recognize them. We'll start back here, Brother Scarpetti. Uh, why don't you introduce, introduce your guests for us tonight? Excellent, excellent. Raphael, glad to have you tonight. And then these folks over here on my left, auditorium, they came last week. Didn't get a chance to meet them uh, real well, but good to have you here tonight. And so if both of you uh, uh, wouldn't mind, take a connection card and just fill that information out. That way we have a record of your visit. And thank you so much for making White Oak Baptist Church part of your schedule today. And we'll, we look forward to worshiping the Lord with you here this evening. Looking forward to hearing the choir come and sing for us at this time.
4: going to go right into the next song. And so if you turn your hymnals to 634, let's all stand together, Hymn 634, and we'll sing Love Found a (coughs) Way.
1: Wonderful love that rescued me, sunk deep in sin, guilty and vile as I could be, no hope within. When every ray of light had fled, O glorious day, Raising my soul from out the dead, Love found a way, Love found a way To redeem my soul, Love found a way That could make me whole, Love sent my Lord To the cross of shame, Love found a way, oh, praise His holy name. Number three, love opened wide the gate of life to heaven's domain. Where in eternal power and might Jesus shall reign. Love lifted me from depths of woe to endless day. There was no help in earth below. Love found a way, love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Lord to the cross of shame. Love found a way, oh praise His
3: holy
2: name you can be seated and before we have the offering i'd like to ask bob and stasia to come on up to the platform uh, bob just got back from a you took you took sally with you is that right bob and sally took a trip to uh, thailand together and uh, got to do a lot of incredible mission type work there and i wanted bob to come tonight take 5 minutes or so and just share with the church 5 to 7 minutes share with the church uh, just some information about his trip some of the things they got accomplished and some of the blessings that they saw. Bob, this past week had a health scare. He was in ICU for four days, and uh, we almost lost him. But uh, he came out, and uh, you know what they say: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So, uh, man, you're you're one strong cookie now, aren't you? Yeah. So, looking forward to hearing your testimony tonight. Love you, Bob. Appreciate you. All right.
5: I'm going to stick to the script here so I can get done. Uh, We are very uh, thankful for your prayers while traveling in Thailand. The Lord has blessed us in many ways. While ministering to a group of 120 students and 46 adults uh, from the village, we also met two Thai pastors who had asked me to preach and Sally interpret in Thai. We had uh, met up with six pastors. They were second and third generation of Christian and Missionary Alliance, and two independent Baptist pastors. The children received the gift bags that Sally and the ladies in the village had prepared for them, including school materials, toys, goods, and John and Romans. We also gave them a a DVD of the life of Christ, and uh, everyone received one of those. Romans and the Gospel Tracks. By the way, the uh, Roman, uh, John and Romans, is uh, for the children type, and they read them. They they really praised those books. They're very thankful. They also enjoyed good meals as we celebrated the Christmas story and songs, fun games, and memorizing John 3.16. The two village chiefs had helped us organize the school hall for the event. Then we traveled up north to preach at the church where Sally's relatives attend in Chiang Mai. We had the privilege to attend a graduation ceremony of our pastor friend, and we were again invited to return by two pastors next year to start up a new ministry of the gospel up country, possibly early December or March, for lower ear fears. Uh, What I do want to say is we're planning to start two churches. Uh, We had this initiation with the students and the school, and the pastor was impressed that he saw all these people come. And so it's the starting of a church. And so we're going to start two churches there. We're going to start the New Jerusalem Baptist Church in the village, and we're going to start the Haven Baptist Church in the city. Now, the reason for that is there's a highway to Laos. I went to Laos, Communist Laos, and uh, I saw that China had bought the property, huge amounts of property, or not buy it, but release it, for 99 years. They're building a huge sales complex for business and so on. The Thai government also went over there for $49, 49 years, and they're leasing out a whole bunch near China. So both of these two bridges, and the bridge where we are, and the bridge over near Udorn. So these are going to be very popular. Our city has already tripled, and business is going to continue to grow. For the next five years, they're going to have all these businesses come in, and foreigners. So it's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, unfortunately, our Christians that are in Laos like to come over and have fellowship with us because they cannot have open church services in their country they would be arrested. So they, they meet in their homes privately. But twice they came over and they lost all their personal possessions. They took them away from them. So every so often, it's, it's a big price. Those people have to walk a long way to get to service. But uh, we're thankful that a lot of them like to come over and have services with us. Uh, in closing, I just want to say one thing. When I was in Thailand, we had problems with the Thai language because certain scriptures weren't in there like uh, the blood and so Brother Pope, Philip Pope met me in 1978 for training and I trained him I was the first independent he was the second and we uh, helped train him and we translated the source of light courses and we sent out like 90,000 uh, leaflets for the courses and we had good response including Buddhist priest and we told him that we need a translation that is accurate. So he took the King James and translated the whole thing into Thai, the complete Bible, including the concordance. And one other book, uh, anyhow, it's, it's a, a doctrinal book that's just like going to Bible school for two to three years. And we have the pastors take that program and they uh, can go ahead and pastor after. They, they learned the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. So he had done this through his father's business. He had the wealth to do all this. And so it was a pleasure working with him. And I'm going to give the pastor this one here. This is his work. And any pastor or any of you could type in to his circuit, go into his institute, and you can print Thai or English or both together if you have ties in your community and you want to witness to them you can go ahead and pin the the scriptures and type them up either directly all in Thai. It's all made out in English for you to see. So a lot of pastors love this. This is one of our dreams that everybody can witness. Now, he has it in Lao and Thai. So, I mean, the the Lao are similar. There's a couple words. Like you tell them to go right, it goes left. (laughs) But but basically, they're similar. Uh, And uh, the other thing is, uh, they're working on another translation. It's a volume of books that they're doing that give the wealth of knowledge for the Thai pastors. Because pastors had nothing to go by then. So, so all this is now coming to be. So it's a, it's a dream to see all this come to be. I had to do the travel by wheelchair from airport to airport and into Laos. But it was interesting because I managed to get through fast, go through customs, didn't have to wait. Everybody's standing an hour and a half here, an hour and a half. I'm the first one on the plane. I'm the last one out of the plane. And they take me right through customs. And these people are all licensed. So I don't have to stop. And so I I enjoyed that.
2: I will leave this on the back table uh, in the lobby so that anybody who wants to look at it and. And figure out how to access this website can do that after the service. Ushers, you can go ahead and come forward to collect our offering this evening. And just a reminder about our Valentine banquet coming up at the Oranoke Country Club on February 10th. That's a Saturday. It's 6 p.m., $60 a couple. And so that is for both married adult couples and dating adult couples. So... Come and take part of that, and we'd love to have you. And all the other announcements, uh, please check those out in the bulletin. And I would encourage you to turn your attention to the screen instead of um, daydreaming during the offering. Amen? All right, let's uh, pray for uh, as we collect our tithes, offerings, and faith promise with Brother John Sanchez, if you would pray, of course.
0: Amen.
4: wonderful that was wonderful all right let's uh, for our final uh, congregational song tonight let's turn to to hymn 638 he lifted me hymn 638 we'll sing the first and the last
1: kindness, Jesus came my soul in mercy to reclaim, and from the depths of sin and shame, through grace He lifted me. From sinking sand He lifted me, with tender hand He lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh praise His name, He lifted me. Now on a higher plane I dwell, and with my soul I know tis well. Yet how or why, I cannot tell, he should have lifted me. From sinking sand he lifted me, with tender hand he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me.
2: Oh, I gotta get my mic on here, just a moment. Haggai chapter one in your Bibles Haggai. if you want to know where Haggai is, find Matthew and go back two, three, four books. It's one of the last books of the Old Testament we, uh, we did the through the Bible we're in the through the Bible series on Wednesday nights and we've covered all the books of the Old Testament except the book of Haggai and I intentionally saved that one for uh, for Sunday evening in two thousand and eighteen because of the content of it and some needs we have around here. I felt like they matched up and they would fit better on a Sunday night than on a Wednesday night. So um, we're going to take this week and next week uh, at least two weeks to get through the book, maybe more, but uh, we're looking at uh, two weeks to get through Hag- the book of Haggai here. We'll look at the first two-thirds of uh, chapter one. It's only two chapters in the book. And so once you found that, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 1, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Shea, Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of uh, Jose, uh, Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time of the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And we're going to preach a sermon entitled this God's House versus Our Houses. God's House versus Our Houses. Let's pray. God Thank you for tonight. Thank you for this church and the rich history it has. I pray that you'd help us as we consider the book of Haggai. All day today, I've been amazed at how relevant your word is to every area of my life. And through the Sunday School lessons, the preaching this morning, the personal Bible studies, the preaching tonight, Lord, there is no topic that your word in some way or another does not touch. We're thankful for such a... A great book. I pray tonight, as we consider the contents of this Old Testament prophet uh, of this uh, of this um, writing there uh, to uh, the, the people of Israel, that we would take things from it and parallel it to our church and our time. And Lord, we'd be motivated to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. What a beautiful and rich history White Oak Baptist Church has. Many of you have been here from the early years. Um, let's see. Let's see a couple here. If you were here um, at the very, very, very beginning of our church, would you just raise your hand for me? All right, Jeannie, Pam, and then obviously Judy. Judy's not here tonight. Uh, how many of you here uh, have been associated, have been a part of White Oak Baptist Church since... At least the first couple of years, we'll say the first two or three years it was around. If you would raise your hand, hold them up there for me. And so you all have uh, been on a long, wonderful journey of watching what God has done here. Um, It's easy for someone like me to come in as a pastor and say, yeah, whatever about history. And I just care about the future. But I think our history can teach us a lot of wonderful things. And so I probably won't get every detail just perfect tonight in my giving of the history of the church. If I, if I don't, uh, you can gently chide me later, all right? I gave you permission to do that. But uh, I think I'll get the general idea out here. God moved um, Barry Brown to the city of Stratford back in 1979. He moved here from the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia, strictly for the purpose of beginning a Bible-believing salvation station for the city. He arrived in the city of Stratford. He was on a tour of looking at various cities in the Northeast in which he could start a church. And he uh, was coming down, I believe he said he's coming down Nichols Ave. And I think he said all the leaves were off the trees there. And he was able to see across Stratford. It was a manufacturing town. And he had a background that he felt like fit well with the city. And so he uh, pulled off and he went to a payphone. You all remember payphones, right? Younger generations going, huh? What's that? Brother Brown and I were in the airport uh, waiting for our flight. I think we were in Newark. And they had a, they had a bank of, of pay phones, and all of them said out of service. So uh, no longer being used. They just hadn't taken them off the wall yet. Um, stopped at a pay phone, and he looked up in the, in the uh, I guess, the yellow or white pages there for Baptist churches in the Stratford area. He found a couple of them, and he called and got the secretaries on the phone, and he said, Do you know what it means to be born again? And one of the secretaries said, I have no idea what that means. And the other secretary said, I think somebody came through and talked about that like a couple of years ago. But I'm really not sure. And he said, boy, this city needs a church. This city needs a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church. And so it was uh, settled in his mind then that he was going to come to Stratford. So 1979 he moves here and he begins to knock doors. He begins to invite folks. The, uh, the church began April 6th, 1980. That was the Resurrection Sunday. God provided the Connecticut Building Institute property. Is that right? Is that what CBI stands for? What CBI stand for? That's what I meant to put down. Misprint here. Connecticut Business. I told you I was going to mess something up. And you all are not chiding me gently here. It's okay. So the Connecticut Business Institute, otherwise known as the CBI Building, uh, as a great location to hold its services, and so many of you uh, used to come early and stay late to see the rented room turn into a church and then back into an office building as you as uh, as you left. For many years, great prayers were made and funds were raised little at a time, so that. The church could prepare to buy its own building, and I guess the the way the story I I believe I uh, way I remember the story is the first time the property became available, Pastor Brown came over and he took off his shoes, much like uh, uh, Moses and uh, and Joshua, or rather yes yes Moses Moses and Joshua standing on holy ground, and he walked around the property and he claimed this property uh, uh, for uh, uh, White Oak Baptist Church, so this could be uh, their property. And uh, I believe the first time that it was up for sale, the church didn't get it. But the second time it came up for sale, they um, uh, put in a bid. And when he called the, a real estate agent and said, put in this offer, the lady said, I can't put that offer in. That's ridiculous. That's so far below the asking price, I'll get laughed at. And he said, don't you by law have to put it in? You don't have a choice. And, oh, okay, you know your law. So she put it in, and uh, he got a call, uh, I believe, on a Saturday morning. Is that right? Saturday morning, I believe. And uh, on that Saturday, the uh, the, the real estate agent called and said, these sellers want to meet with you. He turned and looked at his wife, Lynn, and he said, I believe we've just bought a church building. And so uh, they go to the meeting, and sure enough, in just a matter of time, the papers were signed, and the church proper, this property here was bought by Waterloo Baptist Church for well below uh, what it could have or maybe even should have gone for. Uh, that was the hand of God. God divinely chose this location for this church. There's really no other way to explain it. When this property was bought, the building you're sitting in wasn't here. In fact, if you leave and go down the breezeway, and uh, uh, you, you can see where the old building stops and this building starts, and the building that is over there now is nothing like what it was when it was purchased. Um, God equipped Pastor Brown with a engineering degree, I believe it was, uh, to be able to come in and lead a bunch of folks who were willing to sweat and work hard and throw their uh, effort at it to see this bu- th- that building over there totally flipped. In fact, uh, does anybody know how many dumpsters were filled with the clean-out? How many of you remember the dumpsters sitting out there? I-, I guess it was 20 long, the biggest dumpsters they sell. And uh, if you go upstairs into my old office, it's a really tiny room. That, that My office was really tiny. Now I've got a, I'm down here, I've got a little bit bigger of an office. But all of the building were rooms about like that, so I was told. Many of those walls are made out of concrete. And what it was, this was a special needs, uh, uh, that over there was a special needs school for the longest time. And so the idea was a bunch of little rooms, and so you have more one-on-one type interaction. But as the building decayed and management got worse, they would fill a room up with trash, they would close the door, and they would leave it. And so when the time come, came to turn that building around into a church, there was... Clearing out of Diet Pepsi cans and McDonald's bags and uh, uh, you know M- McDonald's fries that still haven't molded that are like six years old because McDonald's fries don't mold, right? Uh, I almost made a jerk about uh, a joke rather about being preserved. You need to eat more McDonald's this morning, but I, I left that one alone. I, I couldn't help myself tonight. Um, and so a lot of work went into getting that building renovated and turned around. In fact, the old auditorium upstairs, which is now the Fellowship Hall, that looked nothing like it did when the building was bought. A lot of tender, loving care was placed into it. Brother Varone told me a story this week in our travels that uh, I guess there was a, 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 a support beam that was being put in place that had been lifted up, and the thing began to wobble, very, very heavy beam, and it fell from all the way up to the ceiling and hit the ground and had it gone through the floor and all the way down, very likely, the whole building could have collapsed, but that building hit the ground and did not pierce the floor, and, uh, and everything is A-OK. I guess it's been checked out by structural engineers, and everything's OK. That was God. I told him, I said, God probably put his hand under it and helped kind of lay that down to keep that from happening. A lot of work went into getting that building turned around and ready. And then, around the year 2000, God began to move in the heart of Pastor Brown to see the church build this building that we are now in. Many of you that are here, you reached deep into your pockets and your bank accounts and you gave generously so that the house of the Lord could be beautified. And we could have a respectable place to worship uh, corporately as the church was growing. A place where the gospel uh, uh, could be preached. A place, and still is preached, a place where the spiritually sick uh, can be given the medicine of God's word. Let me take you back to a very similar set of circumstances. The year was 520 uh, B.C., or 520 years before Christ was born. The Israelites had returned home to their native land from, Bab- from Babylonian captivity 18 years prior. Now, right when they arrived, they began to build the temple, rebuild the temple. The Babylonians had destroyed Solomon's temple, so they began to rebuild the temple right after they arrived. But the nobles of that land, who had ruled the Judean province under the authority of the Persian Empire, uh, Persian Empire, wrote letters back to Syria and caused the construction to cease. Caused the construction to cease. And so you have this half-built temple that's just shut down by the Persian government under a new ruler after, uh, after Cyrus had, uh, had, had quickly... Uh, passed and the next guy came on and and uh, basically the nobles letters were hey you don't know what you're letting happen here the israelis they have a rich history and you need to look back in your history books and you'll see that they once ruled the world and that they were once a a a, a large government and if you let them get this temple built and you let this get off the ground and get going they're one day going to come and conquer you and so through these spear tactics the persians came in and shut down the building of that second temple for a short time. Uh, The people uh, uh, now began to gather and build their own houses while the house of God sat in disarray. There came a point in time where construction of the temple was both permitted and encouraged. But the people sat idly by, working to better their own living conditions while
0: ignoring the house of God.
2: Now, we're going to take at least the next two Sundays and go verse by verse to the book of Haggai. Tonight, we will look at four thoughts as we consider the beautifying of the house of God back in their day and then apply those truths to our church here in our day. Let's jump right in here. Number one, notice the concern of God's people. The concern of God's people. Look at Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king... In the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, uh, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, this people say, uh, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, uh, uh, o ye to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, what were the people's concern? The people's concern was was beautifying their own living space. Uh they wanted remodeled kitchens and renovated bathrooms and uh rustic looking living rooms or whatever the style was back in that day, right? And so uh they were spending a lot of time putting on new roofs and beautifying their own homes while the house of the Lord, where God was supposed to dwell, laid in waste. Laid in waste. Now, I did some research uh, for the message tonight, and I found that in 2018, the average kitchen remodel in the U.S. can run anywhere from $15,000 to $20,000. $15,000 to $20,000.
0: Brother Varr, does that sound somewhat?
2: Not in the Northeast. What's it cost average around here to get your kitchen remodeled? $35,000. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, Let me ask you a question tonight. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about it. You ever remodeled your kitchen?
2: It's a good thing to do. You don't need to feel guilty about that. All right? Angel and I are looking at remodeling ours soon. It's a good thing. Um, Some of you are going, I wish my husband would remodel the kitchen. Stuck in the 1990s or the 1980s. Um, you You say the 1970s? You got a big mouth. No, <laughs> did I say that out loud? It's true. She knows it. And her kitchen is stuck in the 1970s, but the rest of your house is really pretty. Um, the average bathroom remodel in New York State it's thirty five thousand dollars. In the state of uh, Mississippi it's fourteen thousand. Anybody want to move to Mississippi? Um, I, I have a range here of anywhere from twelve to $20,000. Obviously, the more elaborate you get, the more it would cost. How many of you guys like watching those uh, reality TV type shows on HGTV? The Fixer Upper, the House Flip. Uh, I enjoy watching those with, with Angela. I don't generally watch them by myself, but I enjoy watching those um, with her. And um, you'll see someone buy a home and put anywhere from 30000 to $200,000 in remodeling the house so that, uh, so that the home is fashionable and tailored to the new homeowner's finest of, of preferences. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But we see that the people were concerned about their own homes. That was their concern. Number two, let's segue into that segues into number two here. The condition of God's house. Look at verse four. Is it time for you, O ye, or O all of you, to dwell in your sealed houses? In this house lie waste. Now, um, what does that word sealed mean? It's not spelled the way that maybe we would spell sealed in uh, 2018, but it means almost the same thing. Uh, uh, that word sealed is found six times in the Bible in its original language form. Three times it is translated covered, twice as sealed as it is here in this passage, and once as "seated." And the idea here is roofing. Eric, this is what you've done for many years. Uh, God has blessed our church with many wonderful craftsmen. We've got uh, a master carpenter, we've got a master electrician, we've got a master plumber, we've got a master roofer. I don't know that's an actual profession, but he's, uh, he might as well be one. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll deem you master roofer of the church here. Um, what this was saying, and this is very important, all right? This is very important. You all have taken the time to put roofs on your own houses and complete them, while my house has no roof on it. Haggai is telling them, your houses are covered. And roofed. And clearly, if you look back at the verse, it is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. My house, your houses have roofs on. My house does not. You say, Pastor, um, what is the qualification for me helping to improve the house of God? Do you live in a dwelling that has a roof on it? Well, then you qualify according to this. Now, Uh, You could also make the argument that uh, uh, to the degree that their homes were, God wanted His house on the same level, and and that's fine. Um, God's house lay in shambles while their houses were pretty. Were pretty. Now let me ask you a question. How would you describe our
0: property here at the church? I would say that
2: it's functional. Functional. Right? Uh, the roofs don't leak. The heat and air, syst- uh, heat and air conditioning systems work. Um, now, for a third world country, our church would be the nicest building in many of their towns, in its current state. But we're in Stratford, Connecticut, right? Brother um, Baba, if we could take this building and drop it to Thailand, I've been to Peru. Peru is a wonderful country, uh, but the church building we walked into didn't look anything like this. And I took my uh, my wife's family on our church website, not here another church, and the the, the picture on the front of the webpage was a uh, the, the lobby there the church. And again, not the prettiest church lobby in America, but I felt embarrassed showing them where I worshipped, considering the building that they were in. Um, with that said, while... while um, while our building may be really pretty for a third-world country, we have not been called to reach a third-world country in the U.S. We've been called to reach Stratford, Connecticut. Okay, And if we're going to reach the people of this community, then they need to be able to respect and feel comfortable inviting their friends to our church. you all agree with that statement? They need to feel like, okay, I can bring my lawyer buddy here, And, hey, they're not going to walk in and go, whoa, this place needs some help. That doesn't need to happen. Now, keeping in mind that our church belongs to God, this is his property, and it is situated in a middle, upper-class neighborhood, keeping those two things in mind, let me show you some pictures, all right? We're going to go through these here. Um, That's a picture of our parking lot. Anybody see a problem there? Anybody see a problem with that? Our next picture? That's another part of the parking lot. All right, next picture. Uh, yet another crack that runs through it. All right? This picture here I took because I'm showing you that our lines are gone.
0: Now, you can kind of see them there. Um, that's
2: not good. That's not good. Um, by the way, while we're talking about the parking lot, I meant to say this before. Uh, I need more of you to park at the commuter lot. All right, uh, let me give you a list of people I would really strongly prefer park there. Okay, if you are on the pastoral staff, uh, I need you to park on the commuter lot. If your spouse comes in a separate vehicle, I need her to park there too. All right, if you're a deacon. I need you to park on the commuter lot. If your spouse comes separate, I need her to park on the commuter lot. If you're on the leadership team, please park at the commuter lot. All right? Now, I'm not trying to be mean about it, but today we had no parking spots available. Every spot was taken. What if a visitor had pulled in, circled the parking lot, and left? That could have happened. I don't know. I don't know. That's why we have the commuter lot. So please help us with that. All right. We're back on point here. You can see our parking lot needs some help. So that's why um, we're going to work to remodel the parking lot. And we're, we're trying to raise that $20,000 so that we have a parking lot that is respectable for a upper-middle-class neighborhood. Uh, uh, if our neighbors, many of which are uh, very well-to-do, were to pull in our property, they'd go, Oh, my goodness, this thing needs some help. And let's be honest, it does. All right, put the next picture up there for me. This is our church sign. All right, put the next picture up. You see the wood that's rotting there? Now, we could do some things to probably repair it and and patch it by for a little bit. Uh, If you're pulling up and you see it from a distance, you wouldn't know that's there. But I go out and look at it regularly as I'm walking the property. And uh, there's a phrase, MBWA, or rather, uh, uh, yeah, MBWA managed by walking around. So I like to do that. And uh, we have have a problem with their sign. So the goal of, of by March 25th, we'd like to raise the $20,000. That is to put a new sign out there. Uh, and also to redo our parking lot. So I would encourage you to uh, pray about that. Uh, go ahead and throw the next slide up there for me. This is our church hallway, and I've got to be honest, uh, that's not terrible. The paint on the wall terrible. I- I'm just going to tell you what I think. All right? uh, I'm going to pick on our two previous pastors, all right? uh, and I say this tongue-in-cheek. Um, both of those men, I feel like I'm a pretty masculine guy. Both of those men were military. How did either one of them let our walls get painted pink? How in the world did that happen? Um, Third quarter, we're going to be looking to raise money to uh, repaint the building and put down new flooring. I want you to imagine. Go ahead and put the next slide up there for me. Uh, You see the two colored tiles down. That's why the carpets are there, to cover up the the two different colors of tile. And the reason why it's two-tone is because we could not find the, uh, the original color tile, so we had to put the other color down and the carpet's there to cover it. Now, let's imagine that that hallway there, instead of having the tiles down, had a, uh, a high-quality, high-traffic, weatherproof laminate floor down. Wouldn't that look a lot better there? Wouldn't that fit the neighborhood we're in and uh, the people that visit our church? All right, go ahead and put the next slide up. This is our kitchen. All right, one more slide here. Um, need
0: some help, doesn't it? Needs some help, doesn't it? Now,
2: I'm not Haggai, and you're not the Israelites, and our church building is in much better condition than the temple was. I want to make sure I get that out here. But we've got to do something. We've got to do something. Um Number one, we looked at the concern of the people. It was their own homes. Number two, the condition of God's house. Number three, let's look at the call to consider. The call to consider. Look down with me at Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Look down at verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Um, In this short two-chapter book, you find this command to consider four times. I'd say that God's trying to get our attention with this. I almost entitled the sermon, Consider Your Ways. Uh, I felt like my title was maybe a a little bit more to to the point I was making. But um, the command is around the idea of, first, consider the condition of your personal homes. Second, consider the condition of my house. Don't miss this here. Third, consider what it is that you can do to improve my house. Alright? So first, consider the, the beauty of your home. Second, consider the beauty of my home. And third, look at what you can do to help make my home uh, uh, pretty. Now, I know some of you here, you don't live in the nicest house. And honestly, the condition of the church building is nicer than what, say, uh, you have uh, uh, at your house. But nonetheless, uh, we have a command as a group of people to beautify the house of God. Now, how did uh, uh, how did the people beautify the house of God? All right. Uh, let me give you a couple of thoughts here. These won't be on the screen, but I encourage you to write these down. Some uh, some gave financially, some gave financially and some here can give financially. Some can give financially. In fact, all of us, if we evaluate closely our finances, we can probably figure out a way to give toward uh, making these repairs and beautify, beautifying the house of God. So some gave financially. Some, can, uh, some gave of their labor. All throughout the Old Testament, whether it was the tabernacle, the first temple, or the second temple, you find a, a whole large group of people who uh, volunteered their time to beautify the house of the Lord. And I do believe that a laborer is worthy of his hire, and I, I, I would love to... Uh, continue to pay out to people uh, for their labor here at our church. But here is uh, the request I'm going to make for 2018, all right? Uh, we, we are trying to raise a boatload of money to fix a lot of things around here. And uh, the church is already tight on money, uh, as many of you who are members here know. Here's what I'm going to ask is that if you have a special skill set and the church needs help, I'm going to ask that you volunteer where you can to help fix up the church property. We're going to have a work day where we'll probably uh, redo a sign outside. And a bunch of you men, you don't have to be experts at it. You can show up on a work day and you can help us get that sign up and looking good. Uh, uh, there may be a day where uh, we do other things. We tear up old carpet and we... Paint walls and you have some expertise in painting, you can show up and help us do those things. Just as the people gave of their, themselves voluntarily, both financially, gave voluntarily of their finances and gave voluntarily of their labor, we can do that as well. And some did both. Some gave financially and some volunteered so uh, uh, I'm, I'm here to say today that if we're going to take care of god's house this is god's house it's where uh, we we gather we worship uh, we serve we are the church not the building but the building has been given to us by god and we are to take good care of it now let's notice number four here and lastly the chastisement of the neglectful the chastisement of the neglectful let me give you several here out of the passage Letter A, notice a chastisement on their labor. Look down at verse number 6.
0: Ye have so much, and bring in little.
2: Have you ever had a day where you just felt like everything you did was more difficult than it should have been? Anybody ever had a day like that? Like, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, you... Uh, you try to make the bed and the sheets fall off the other side, and they 're not even silk. You, how'd that happen, right? Just the kind of day i 'm having um, you 're sewing much in labor, but you just have so little to show for it. I felt that way honestly with the sink yesterday with our homes. Um, I probably put four or five hours into that sink i don 't know maybe three hours into that sink it was it was it felt like an eternity, <laughs> and I had nothing to show at the back end and um um, here's another scenario have you ever worked a job where you didn't feel like the pay you received to match the labor you exerted you ever had a job like that i worked for max finkelstein incorporated up in uh, south windsor for a bit delivering tires i think they paid me a grand total of like 11.50 an hour and uh, i put in long long hours of that place and uh, the type of job uh, the type of uh, uh, labor, uh, labor! I was putting it. I didn't feel like I was being paid in a fair way. And here, uh, God is saying to, through Haggai, to the people, "You all are sowing really hard, but you have very little show for it. You won't ever wonder why? It's because I am limiting you. Better be a chastisement on their food and drink." Look at verse six. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. God's punishment went past a governing back or placing a governor on their paychecks and went beyond that. It affected their bellies. What he was saying was you go to bed having eaten a full meal, but you're still hungry. You're still hungry. You eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, but you're hungry. And you go to bed having drunk plenty, but you go to bed with a dry mouth. Why? Why? Because your houses are finished and complete and mine lies broken. Letter C, we see a chastisement on their personal comfort. Look back at verse 6. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat and ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. There is an unwarm. All right, I'm going to share with you Pastor Lejeune's list of the three things that make me the most grouchy.
0: All right? The first one is being hungry.
2: When I'm hungry, I'm grouchy. The second one is sleepiness. If I'm sleep-deprived and I'm hungry, get out of my way. Right. By the way, I heard someone say that most crimes are committed when people are either tired or hungry or both. I believe that's probably true. Um, parents are really good at using those excuses when their children misbehave. Well, you know, she needs her afternoon nap. Or, well, you know, he, he hasn't eaten. He's hungry. And uh, there's a little bit of truth to that, but hunger and sleepiness. But the third thing that makes me grouchy is being cold and not being able to do anything about it you ever gotten a chill all the way down in your bone? And you've got like 17 layers of clothes on and you're covered up in a blanket and you're sitting by the fire and you just can't get rid of the chill? That's a slight exaggeration. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're wearing the thickest coat you got and you're outside and the weather is damp, the wind is blowing, and you're just freezing. You hear Haggai saying, hey, have you noticed that you're sowing and you're not really reaping to the level that you're sowing? Have you noticed that you're eating but you're still... Hungry? Are you noticed that you're taking in drink, but you're still thirsty? Are you noticing that you're freezing cold all the time? This is God punishing you because your house is finished and my house lies in waste. Letter D, a chastisement on their finances. Look back at verse 6. Ye have so much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to uh, put, in, put it into a bag of hole, bag with holes. Um, when I was younger, uh, we were pretty poor. And my uh, parents, uh, I was the oldest, but I still, still wore hand-me-down clothes. See how that happened? I don't know. They found like older people, people in the church with older children. And they would take their clothes, right? And so I was wearing my brother in Christ that was older than me in clothes. And uh, I can remember my mom patching my jeans and putting patches over the patches. Uh, I can remember, we just didn't have a whole lot. Uh, I can remember uh, one time I had some money, and it probably happened more than once, but I put some change down in my pocket, and I reached back down there, and it was gone. There were holes in the jeans of the pockets. Anybody ever had that happen to them? You know what I'm talking about? Um, You you work a hole. Sometimes your keys, how many carry your keys in your pocket? My wife... Hates the fact that I carry my keys in my pocket. She tells me all the time, "You're rude. You just ruined another pair of pants." So uh, I got to quit carrying my keys in my pocket. But a key can work a hole in your jean, your jeans, or your pant pocket, and the next thing you know, you're, you know, you get that 98 cents at the 98 cents of change at the uh, at the or at the Dunkin' Donuts, and you put it down in your pocket, and you reach back in, and you've got 65 cents, right? And God said, "Your money." is falling out of holes in your bag, in your purse, in your wallet, because my house lies in waste. Not only have I, have I put a govern on your reaping from your sowing, but what you are getting in that paycheck that's been governed, it, it's falling out of holes. Now, back on January 7th, oh, hold on before I go there, practically you know how this works right how your money falls out of holes um your washer or dryer breaks out of nowhere you're going along and all of a sudden kaput and you're thinking that thing's only a year old and you know it's so broken you got to buy a new one or you're riding down the road and your transmission decides to seize and it's gone and now you need to either spend $3,000 replacing your transmission or you'll need to buy a new vehicle or a new used vehicle. Or, out of the blue, you just get laid off from your job. Now, let me be careful here. If one of these things has happened to you recently, I'm not accusing you of anything. Okay? These things can happen to you if you're doing everything right as a Christian. But I do think we have to stop and ask ourselves this. Am I doing my part to take care of God's house? My I
0: doing my part?
2: Now, in all fairness, I've been here since June of 2016. I've only preached on giving to the church twice. I've probably preached 300 sermons here. I've only preached on this topic two other times. I don't
0: like preaching on this topic. But it's necessary necessary. Back on January
2: 7th, we talked about reaching the next generation. Part of reaching the next generation is to hand them facilities that our generation took care of.
0: You all agree with that, right? How about it, Christian? We take care of our dwellings. Are we taking care of the Lord's? Are we taking care of the Lord's? Let's have our heads bowed in nice clothes this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we richly and deeply consider,
2: God, what uh, what we can do as individuals. Many people, Lord, they live outside of their means. and They don't have a whole lot to give. Lord, I pray that we would consider looking at our lifestyles and making some fundamental changes so, God, that we can afford to take care of your property. And those that live inside their means that have of the excess that you've given them through good stewardship of the money you've provided, may, may that crowd as well give uh, toward taking care of your house. Lord, I pray that tonight we would uh, richly and deeply consider the book of Haggai. We would consider the idea, this idea of handing down a property that is groomed and taken care of for the next generation. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The altar's open. I encourage you to come and kneel and pray. Talk to the Lord about the message this evening. Or just about any need that you have in your life. Lord, thank you for the preaching of your word. Impress it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for being here. To those of you that are visiting with us, this is not typically what I preach. I hope you'll uh, be, be faithful to church um, and, and come back and, and visit. Uh, I, I love, let me just say this where I, we were dismissed. I love how that the Bible touches every area of our lives. Every one of them. Some of them are more fun to listen to than others, but they're all necessary. They're all necessary. Amen? So Thank you for coming tonight. I hope you have a great week and that you, um, uh, you keep Jesus first in everything you say and do. You treat each other with respect and kind and love. And I hope you can be back Wednesday night as we look at the book of Mark. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.